0: Hey everyone, in this episode of History Unloaded with Danny and Ashley, we are going to talk about how difficult it is to get involved in hunting as an adult and how confusing it is.
1: Yeah, so this one, I don't know, I don't, I'm not sure where this one's going to go, but I Ashley, and I, Ashley and I both got involved in hunting really as adults. I was around it as a kid, but I never really went.
0: I was from Western Pennsylvania, so like in theory, I should have been around it.
1: Yeah, and like people would like hunt on our property and they would like give us venison and stuff. So I benefited from hunting as a kid, but I never did it myself. Um and then yeah, being out here, I think I had been talking about getting like going hunting and then you were going on a hunt an elk hunt in New Mexico. So we both like needed to get hunter safety at the same time, so we took the class together and all that stuff. And so we have like this sort of parallel arc of joining hunting as adults. Which is awesome. Yes.
0: And, you know, and, and it's one of those things I've been to, like, multiple summits and forums about the the gun industry, um, you know, and I've also been to you know, the Professional Outdoor Media Associations meetings. And it's really interesting because they always talk about, you know, the decline in hunting that's been going on over the past, you know, 5, 10 years. Um, but then they also talk about, you know, getting, in, getting new hunters, uh, retention of old hunters, and then there's some other word they use about, like, if you were a hunter and then you stopped getting back into it. And it was always fascinating to me because I always wanted to learn how to hunt, but it's really hard to get involved in when you are not, like, when you don't grow up around it and, you know, you're an adult and you need to find someone that's going to take you. I mean, there's so much gear that you need, like, zones that you need to know about, you know, the and the hunter ed course is helpful, but, like, you know, you really need like a, like a mentor to really get you into hunting. It's not like, oh, I would like to go bowling today. I'm going to go and figure out how to bowl or, you know, I really like playing Frisbee. Like I'm going to go join this Frisbee golf team. Like, you know, there really is this really difficult way to like get into the world. Um, and so like for years as curator of the Cody firearms museum, I'd never been on a hunt and, I would do radio interview after radio interview where people would be like, oh, man, I'm going to come up and I'm going to take you hunting. And I was literally like, please, <laughs> please do that. And nobody you know, ever did that. And then one day at a, you know, at a banquet, my husband, Mark, Today we bought, are going to be learning about some things that make Wyoming special. <laughs> Hi, my name is Charlotte. Qu- what but was that? that? Can you guys hear that? yeah sorry that was like what my nightmares are made of like what (laughs) i'm working on the kids podcast that was a kid that was like horrifying. that
1: was a that was not a child (laughs) that was a a nightmare
0: future in horror movies okay fine (laughs) i can't work on
1: it because you guys can hear everything (laughs) never mind
0: I was like, does anyone else hear that? <laughs> and I was like, who was a kid? Like, <laughs> <Ugh. laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> I
1: don't remember <laughs> what you were talking about.
0: Okay, so is there a way you can leave that in or does that like get us in trouble? Like-
1: no, <laughs> like, I think we can leave that in probably.
0: That was really funny. <laughs> Damn it. I, I need to be working.
1: I have so much stuff to do and you guys can hear it.
0: I'm still just like, I need a moment. Like, Anyways. So, you know, like for, for years, like all these people on the radio would be like, You know, we're going to take you hunting. We're going to take you hunting. And I really wanted to learn. Like, it wasn't like I was anti-hunting. Like, I was like, somebody take me, you know? And so it was my husband bought um, us at a silent auction, uh, a black buck hunt in Argentina. And I was like, I'm going to go hunting in Argentina. I've never been yeah, hunting. Just a,
1: just, a, just a little interruption right here. Uh, Ashley went the fancy route for hunting, and I did not.
0: Yes, I am that bitch, okay? <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so we went so, – and then right before we went black buck hunting, um, a friend of ours called and was like, hey, uh, my friend owns a property up in Cordoba. Do you want to go dove hunting in April of whatever year it was? And we were like, we're already going to be in Argentina at the same time. So You I know heard, how
1: people are just kind already there that happens to everybody we can all relate totally
0: (laughs) yep um like I was afraid to say that my first hunt was like in Argentina because I felt like it was going to make me sound like one of those people (laughs) Um, so yeah so instead of just going black buck hunting I was also doing dove hunting and here's where I'm going to talk about why it's also difficult to want to hunt or continue oh okay When you're a a new hunter. So like we talked, we just mentioned the fact that it's so difficult to get involved if you don't know somebody that can kind of show you your sensei, you know, to show you the way. But here's something I'm going to bitch about and people can, you know, get me for whatever. But like every hunt I have been on, I have heard the words, oh yeah, no, you'll have no trouble. It's so easy. (laughs) Like every hunt. Okay. So doves, there are so many doves, like, don't even worry. It's so easy. It's just whatever, you know? And then like h- hog hunting, you know? Oh yeah. No worries. You're going to kill so many hogs on that hunt. Like it's not, it's not hard. Well, let me like fast forward to going on my dove hunt. It was an unfortunate dove hunt where we went at the wrong time of the year with a not great, like group of people. Well, the group I went with, but the people that own the ranch were not great. And so the first dove I shot was at like 40 yards. And those suckers are fast. Okay. Nobody told me that. And so, like, it wasn't like a sky full of doves. It was like you actually had to, like, know how to shoot dove. And I'm like, this is so hard. And my husband looks at me and goes, well, yeah, it's hard. Doves are fast. And I was like, Oh yeah, are they? Like <laughs> nobody felt like before I left, it was all, here, fine, you know, whatever. So then like, let's also talk about hog hunting where my husband's like, or no, not my husband, but like all these people are like, no worries. It's so easy, you know, and we do um, javelina hunting when we go on our hog hunt in Texas as well. And javelinas, you know, are not as difficult Um, because they don't hear as well or see as well I can't remember which one but it's you know I've been able to hunt javelina successfully for years and you know I never see hogs like I go on my hog hunt every year and I like virtually never see hogs the first hog I shot was under nods and like they were like okay so you're gonna take a shot at that thing and they like describing the hog and I'm like you mean the little dot and they were like yeah the little dot shoot that you know so like it's incredibly hard and hogs have like this almost armor to them. And so one, you know, actually dropping, you know, a hog is really difficult. And two, their senses are way better than hovelina, javelina. And I have been on a hog hunt for three or four years now. And just this year, my husband told me that the gun he like hooked me up with is really not great for hog hunting. <laughs> <laughs> like, He's like, oh, yeah, no, like, we're not getting shots off at, like – because, like, my gun was set set up to, you know, out to 200 yards, I think, and all the hogs that we were encountering were way further than that. And he goes, oh, yeah, no, we'll get you with a scope next year that can, you know, range out to 400 yards or whatever. And I'm just like – so, like, I've just been set up for failure for the past four years thinking it was me, you know? And so it's, like – so it's just, like, it's very frustrating because it's almost like the bravado – that comes and maybe you haven't experienced this as much because you've gone on kind of like your own hunts where I go on these guided hunts you know with groups of people from the gun industry and everyone tells me how easy it is and then I get there and I do really well and I practice and I prepare and all that stuff but it's not as easy as they say it is and then I feel like I'm a failure and then I'm like crying in my bunk at night because I yeah I am because I'm a Adult, and I'm just like bummed out because I feel like I can't do it, and then I'm not, you know, it gets so easy for everybody else. And then, like, Mark also pointed out to me that this hunt we go on sorry if you listen from this hunt that like 70% of the people that are talking around the like hunting camp are lying. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, oh no, it wasn't Mark that pointed it out to me. I finally got a good guide that takes us out, and he's just like, oh no, Ashley, like. I've taken most of these people out. They're not very good. They're (laughs) lying. And he goes, goes, they lie right in front of me. You know, so it's like, you know, it's hard to get into the sport. And then if you're doing it like in a group setting, you know, the the bravado of the storytelling, you know, like people always ask me and I tell the truth. And then they're all like, oh, she's not very good. And Mark's like, no, you're actually a really good shot. So that lying part of it makes it very difficult for someone like me who's self-conscious to want to stay in the sport.
1: Yeah, and I actually well now I'm thinking we also need to do an episode about like getting into collecting, period, because I think there's a lot of parallels because my experience <laughs> I just of getting talked in,
0: for like 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, this is the Ashley episode, and that's fine. She's more interesting, anyways. Um But I found a lot of parallels to getting into hunting, to getting into collecting, and I actually think getting into collecting is easier. Um one, like the availability of just the basic like hunter ed's hunter ed class like we had to take off of like work and drive down to casper on like a random day of the week and because they're like all the courses were set up for um basically the schedules of like kids in school like they were all set up for that yes
0: it was a class that Daly and i participated with 60 percent children
1: yeah, and and yeah, and then we went to that class, and it, these were like the kids that elected to do the two day version instead of the five day version, and us, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we was, should
0: also point it out, point out that they kind of lied too.
1: Yeah, and then they like the expectations given for like. The 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 exams and stuff were really high, like stated to be really high. And then they literally
0: said you take a test when you get there. And if you fail the test, you have to leave.
1: Right. Yeah. Like it's, You paperwork? have to take an entrance test to even be allowed into the course because we were doing like the online study and then you go and do like the day course and like, and then you take your test and get your certificate. It's like, all right, you have to show that you learn the material before we'll let you do the remainder of the course. And, so and I we're practiced
0: like, the entire four-hour drive down the Casper.
1: It was awful. <laughs> we didn't <laughs> talk <laughs> about anything interesting. We just like read hunting facts to each other. Yeah. And we get there, and like it turns out to not be anything like what was advertised. And the schedule was weird, so there's that whole business. I actually think, too, we added an additional layer of difficulty into our journey into hunting because – we both did it in places that we're not from. So like we both came out to Wyoming and learned. I think if I had taken this where I grew up in Maryland and like had been checked off as like a hunter safety, like I would have had places that then I would have been familiar with where I could go and feel comfortable. Like I I can't go out.
0: I would not have been able to do that.
1: So there would have been places for me back home where I would have felt comfortable and I would have had a bigger network of people to ask to go, to go with me. But out here, like, I don't feel comfortable hiking out and getting eaten by a grizzly by my own. Like, that's just a little bit of a snack for him. I at least need to take somebody else so he gets full. Right? Like, you don't I feel
0: comfortable them. because of a grizzly. That's why.
1: I mean, hunting in grizzly bear territory is pretty, I think, serious business. Maybe it we, is we serious all... business. I agree. It's just very interesting, Danny. But there are people just, that
0: uh, out uh, I think we missed over the fact that Danny caught himself a little bit of a snack. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Very good. I'm Sorry, just saying I had to point I'm not a,
1: there's not a lot of meat for a grizzly here, is all I'm saying.
0: You're like you Zach Woods <laughs> wasting <laughs> I, disease or whatever it is.
1: Yes, exactly like that. Um and but there are people that it's pretty intimidating. There are people that like go out on their own out here and are super comfortable with it and I'm not there at all. So I'd have to ask people to like go with me that like to try and show me the ropes because I didn't bother my brother. Like he was hunting when I was growing up. He, I could have learned from him, but I'd, I wouldn't wanted to sleep in back then. Um, <laughs> and so you go out here and there's this other level. There's like the bravado that you talked about. Um, but there's also this level of like you have to get someone that's willing to show you the ropes and this is where I draw a sort of similarity to collecting. Like it's really useful when you get into collecting to get people to show you the ropes. But a lot of people that already have the knowledge you want are a little bit standoffish. Like they have their like sweet hunting spots that they don't want to give up or let people in on. And like collectors have that same sort of mentality. Like I have a system about how I go about collecting and finding good deals and that kind of thing. And they're, they're reluctant to sort of, impart that knowledge or pass that knowledge on. And I think that creates a sort of, that creates a barrier too. Um, And I've been fortunate to have some people I could ask around here that were really helpful and showing me some of the ropes, but I'm still not anywhere near where I feel like comfortable, like just walking out in public land and trying to shoot a deer.
0: Yeah. The other thing that I... Also, find difficult, um, or that like now that I become a hunter, one thing that like I, I really didn't understand a lot of traditions of hunters until I did it, you know. And so, I think there's this really big difficulty, um, in people understanding, you know, why people hunt and the motivations behind it that aren't, you know, the big wildlife conservation motivations, but you know, the actual experience of hunting. You know, I found to be, I find to this day, still to be a very somber, you know, experience. There's, you know, there's the fair chase and there's the hunt. But, you know, when you actually take the life of an animal, I mean, I tear up you know, it's, it's, it's a very sad thing for me every time, you know, you're, you know, you're proud that you were able to do it, but it's this, it's this emotional experience that I never could have quite understood. I think when you come from outside the world of hunters, you think that like, there's this like bloodlust that people have. I mean, isn't that what all the anti hunters say? You right, know, that yeah. they're, they're like thrilled that they did it. And I remember, you know, when I first, um, you know, hunted the black buck, um, you know, I was really sad and I looked at Mark and I was like, like, I, you know, I didn't expect to feel all the emotions that I felt. And Mark was like, yeah, it's incredibly sad. And my husband is, you know, hunted all over the world. And he's like, it's always sad. And my husband always takes a very, you know, quiet moment with the animal after, you know, after the hunt. And it's, you know, there, there's this uh, element where you just don't get it until you're in it kind of mm-hmm. thing that I think is, it's so powerful. And I wish, you know, even if you didn't want to be a hunter or hunt for food or whatever, you know, I feel like I wish people could see it and experience it because it does change your perspective of hunters significantly when you strip away the bravado and the hunting cabin stories and the photography and you know all the outward things that people that aren't involved in the in the culture you know see and they actually you know go with you and see how you know what happens. I think it changes people's perspective on it you know significantly. I know it changes. Mine, you know and i wasn't anti-hunting by any stretch of the imagination but i certainly didn't understand you know a lot of the reasons why people do certain things when they're hunting and you know i wish more people could experience that power um and that connection with nature because it is something that often gets lost
1: yeah and to that i mean there's and we've only talked about like really getting to go on the hunt like we haven't talked about like I had to figure out how to process an animal and like have somebody help me do that. And like, like, what am I going to do? Like where I got a pretty small antelope, so I didn't have a lot to store, but like, there's all these, every step of the way, there's a, a lot of very, I don't want to add up how much money I've spent on this in just like two years because I'm sure I would not be happy with myself. Oh but yeah. well, well a, and I, I had an cost. easier
0: time in, in this respect than you because I had a husband that's been a, you know, professional hunter, basically, you know, for years. So he kind of sets me up with everything that I need.
1: I mean, the first time I went out, I had like a new rifle and a new pack, which is a barrier, but not terrible one. And like, I didn't really have like, I didn't have new like hunting gear, like climate, whatever, Under Armour's new, whatever the latest and greatest, you know, Multi-layer gear was or anything like that. I was like I literally I was like all right this time out I can budget enough to get myself a pack and a decent rifle and optic and we'll add to it later But then there's been a lot of adding later and yeah, it adds up.
0: Yeah That's it we're done (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh, the barriers
1: are bravado protected knowledge and cost
0: Cost. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, there's so much more than that too. I mean, you mentioned the processing of meat, so I've paid a butcher every time, but that's incredibly expensive. And I've just now gotten into, you know, dressing the animal in the field, all you know, by myself. And I went on a hunt where it was, it was, it was a wedding present to me and, you know, the the guides do all that work and I insisted on doing it myself and they thought that was very weird. But, um,
1: well, and then the, I ran into that problem. Like, this is just a, a story. This is, you know, we had the story about us driving to, to, all the way to Casper just to get Hunter's safety checked off. But then, um, like thinking about getting through the hunt and I got my first antelope out here in Wyoming. And that was a, like, I was really proud to have done that. And like, I had somebody help me out with that. And it was really great. It actually, that one did turn out to be really easy. Like we didn't have to go that far to get it and stuff. So sorry about your difficult experience. Fine. Now the hard experience I've had is like trying to get an elk. I haven't been successful. Um,
0: yeah, I've I've harvested a bull, elk, but Ashley actually.
1: has harvested an elk. I haven't yet. But um, then I had an antelope, and like I talked to people about what to do with it once I got it beforehand, and they're like, "Oh yeah, there's a, there's a processor here in town. There's one. You know, there's another one over here. And like, who do you take your stuff to?" And then I was like, "All right, that sounds like simple enough. Like I'm willing to pay a butcher to do it." And then I had an antelope, and then all of a sudden, like. Nobody in town would take it to process. And I was like, uh, I have an apartment and nowhere to store an antelope. Like, what in the world do I do?
0: So the best part is, where does he go? (laughs) To Ashley's house.
1: (laughs) To Ashley's house.
0: So I bought a freezer for my elk um, because the meat was getting shipped to me. And the greatest part of this is that Danny, you know, he used my freezer But like, didn't I didn't put the like quarters and everything in the sleeves yet, and like um, needed to put them in my freezer. So we're sitting. I live in town, and we are standing in the driveway putting animal limbs into a bag. And the worst is the antelope head, the giant head. I mean, it was like something out of like a Sopranos like episode. I mean, it was, and we're just like together trying to trying to put these like quarters into like little you know the 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 bags so that we can put them in my freezer before they got processed and everything
1: but and then that was the problem too because now looking back on it i wish i had um kept the head and like had it mounted or like at least on like a european mount or something but the problem was like i was out of options of places to take it to in town and so like i eventually got the i got the like the quarters processed. Um. Was like basically I ended up just going to a friend who I knew would process his own uh, animals that he harvested, and like he showed me like cutting it up and doing the different cuts and all that stuff. But again, I've only done that once, so I just don't feel comfortable doing it yet on my own. Um, but then I still had the, like a leftover head and no one to process it into amount that I would want, and like I don't trust myself to do anything like that. And I ended up giving it to the Raptor program because the birds would eat it here. Um, and now I don't have that, like, I don't have really anything from that hunt, which I kind of regret, but I'm also like happy that it went to feed like the center yeah. of animals like that. I think is cool in its own way, but yeah, it was like a total disaster of like, okay, great. I got an antelope. Like, what do I now? do with it
0: now? Yeah.
1: And like every plan that I came up with fell apart. <laughs>
0: yeah well uh, yeah i mean so there's you know the the pre-hunt difficulties the actual hunt difficulties and then there's the post-hunt difficulties i mean so uh you know it is really i mean it's just hard to get involved in so i mean, And we're
1: both pretty like highly motivated people to do this like i really wanted to do it because like this was i decided that going on like an elk hunt in wyoming would be like as long as i'm in wyoming this is something i need to do to like try and experience wyoming yeah and like and this became something for both of us that i think would put at us at an above average motivation level and i could see how a lot like there would be a lot of attrition for potential hunters at all those steps along the way and i think that's oh, where yeah. the field runs into this declining hunting population problem
0: so i guess like last question would be you know do you have any thoughts on how you make it more accessible
1: i don't know cuz there is i think I wish there was like a program. I don't even know. Cause you know, I'm sure like the state game and fish departments are there at their limit for funding and stuff like that. And personnel, um, but like a more accessible, like new Hunter program where that's not just catered for uh, kids, obviously like a lot of kids getting into the sport from parents teaching them or because their families have done it. Like that's a big part of how new hunters join. So we don't want to like get rid of that, but, yeah um as an adult hunter there was just like at least maybe this is my own lack of ability to find these things but there was like no programs other than like me informally asking around until i found somebody that was willing to go out with me so um it sounds like my dating life
0: <laughs> but you're married now so it's fine
1: yeah i'm married so it worked and yeah. i hunted now so i guess both of them turned out eventually. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, it is one of those things that, you know, I would actually kind of put it back to some of the people listening to the podcast. Cause I'm sure that like people listening to the podcast are probably hunters. If you know of ways like programs in your community on how to get involved to help people get you know active if there's ways where like if you don't have a ton of money But you really need you know the meat would be you know super helpful to your family You know are there you know ways to get you know cost-effective firearms? You know are there ways to kind of help people out so that it's not such an you know costly endeavor, you know if there if you know of any of these ways to help people get involved like you know Send us an email or something because we would totally you know share it out and right. help people along the way but and
1: I'd say the biggest step is like it's coming up with because I could follow the steps pretty well Like I could read like all right, here's the what I got to do for hunter safety All right Here's the areas where I'm allowed to like venture out into and in the public lands and stuff like that But I think at each point along the way it would have been really nice to have Somebody to like check with like hey, I think I'm doing this right But am I really like and I yeah. d- like that step made me really unsure at a lot of points along the way so that to me was that was another I think that's what I would wish for that I had that that whole time, but
0: yeah, so and who
1: knows maybe everybody's listening to be like, no, you guys are losers, and it is really easy, um so <laughs> and,
0: if, and maybe we're just too city slicker we're too yeah, we're
1: too, sleep. but I'm not like I grew up in a rural area, like I feel like this should not have been that <laughs> countercultural to me,
0: yeah uh but yeah if you know of any way you know suggestions for how and how we can educate people you know with through the museum it's not you know about politics it's just about if you want it's about education so you know we're happy to you know take suggestions and uh this has been a completely ahistorical podcast brought to you by history Unloaded. see ya hey i gotta go